0: And ironically enough, my daughter was born on the 26th of July, and a year or so later, I was going through this little box with photographs in it, and I found the ultrasound picture that I had from when I had my second miscarriage, and it was dated from July twenty-six. So actually, my daughter was born one year after I had my second pregnancy loss. And the significance, I think, of the white feather is that my daughter loves swans, and everywhere she goes, she is always picking up white feathers. So I don't know, like, even though some of the experiences that I've had have been painful and unexpected, like, I really feel like the two pregnancies that I lost in between, there was a reason that I experienced that. Like, I really feel like there was, um, there was some downloads that happened for me during that time that actually prepared me for the birth of my daughter. And yeah, I I needed to know, I needed to learn that. So, and in astrology, you know, the ascendant is a really important part of our, of our natal chart. My daughter was born with her ascendant at 29 degrees, Cancer. And the Sabian symbol for that is a daughter of the revolution. And my son was born with his um, with his ascendant at 5 degrees, Gemini. And the Sabian symbol for that is drilling for oil, which that one talks about how you have to go and dig really, really deep to obtain valuable resources. Mm. And that resonates with me too, because I really feel like that was my experience with his birth, um, having to really, really dig deep to find my reserves of power in order to in order to go through that experience, and then to have to continue digging deep in order to find other resources that I need that were going to be beneficial for me later.
1: That was a tidbit of a conversation that I had with Victoria Moreno. Stick around for the full conversation where she dives deep into the radically different experiences of birthing her two children. She also talks about the postpartum period of becoming a mother and how important it is to be nourished and nurtured. This is where her true passion lies in supporting mothers. I hope that you find this conversation as nourishing and nurturing as I do. I am so excited to share what we are about to share with one another and with you all that are listening. She recently came back into my life because of content that I have been putting out as I start this new venture of my business as well as simultaneously becoming a mother, literally finding out I was pregnant on the very day that I launched my website and with gratitude I would like her to introduce herself and talk a little bit about why she reached out to me, as well as what she is doing to help support women in the world.
0: Thank you, Olivia, it's a pleasure to be here with you and to be connected with you again after all these years. Um, My name is Victoria Moreno. Um, I'm 35 years old, and I have been married to my beloved for seven years. Um, I currently live abroad in Switzerland, and we've lived here for three years after leaving the United States in 2016, and this year I just finished my Innate Traditions postpartum care certification training with a woman named Rochelle Garcia Saliga. She is doing some beautiful work in the world. Um, She is a midwife and she has been practicing midwifery for 20 years. Um, She did all of her studies in Mexico, um, apprenticing under numerous different midwives on the whole scope of midwifery from traditional midwifery to medical midwifery. And her mission right now is that she is working to um, revitalize postpartum care. So this is something that I am very passionate about. Um, I'm a mother of two. Um, I've had four pregnancies, two that resulted in live births and two that were pregnancy losses. Um, And navigating this terrain as a woman and as a mother and having experienced Challenges that come along with postpartum in our culture today. Um, her work really spoke to me, and so I um, am really proud to be able to be supporting women in this way um, as we are midwifing a cultural shift. Um, so, I have a son who was born in 2014, <clears throat> and I have a daughter that was born in 2018. And both of my babies were born at home, but I actually had very, very different birth experiences with them. Um, My son was born under the care of a midwife. um, And with his birth, I had a really challenging labor that lasted for 50 hours. Wow. And for me, that was such a journey through the fire. It was really like one of these underworld-type experiences. It wasn't anything like what I imagined it would be. And it was an initiation into motherhood that was extremely raw and intense. And it was powerful, too, because I ended up learning a lot. In between the birth of my son and my daughter, I had two early pregnancy losses. um, And those really taught me a lot as well. Um, And then in 2018, um, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I went through my whole pregnancy receiving um, really typical prenatal care, thinking that I was going to give birth um, with the presence of a midwife and using the experience that I had gathered from my first birth, I actually had enough discernment to decide to fire my midwife when I was 38 weeks pregnant. And I decided to have an intentional unattended birth with her. Um, And that free birth experience was incredibly transformative and healing. Um, and yeah, so ever since then, I've been really interested in sharing my experience with that because I feel like what's happening in our culture today is we are, as pregnant women, we are presented with oftentimes this dichotomy of choices where it's either or You can give birth in the hospital, or you can give birth in a birth center. You can give birth with a doctor, or you can give birth with a midwife. And I didn't really know that there were so many other choices. Like, I feel a lot of women um, aren't really presented with this option of giving birth unattended, giving birth with the support of just a doula, giving birth with your mother, your sister, your trusted friends. Um, maybe calling on calling on the help of your grandmother maybe you have a grandmother who's alive who's birthed a lot of babies and has a lot of experience with that or even just the experience of like calling in your ancestors in the spiritual realm for guidance which was um which was actually what i did when when i had my daughter I would have loved to have like a wise woman or a birth keeper who was accessible to me, but um, unfortunately that never manifested. Um, And it's okay that it didn't because I ended up having all the support and the resources that I needed and the birth that I had with her was absolutely ecstatic. So um, here I am just sharing my experience about um, physiological undisturbed birth and how this is a viable option for many women. Um, Yeah, just wanting to share that.
1: Yeah, and what a gift it is, like what a gift it is for me that you reached out to me. And for a little bit of backstory upon how we met was 10 years ago, we were acquaintances because I came to your work on the frequent and uh definitely connected but had hadn't connected on the level that we're connecting now and for you to reach out to me to give me support in this time and also interested about what i am offering with sound and how the two are related to one another and how they can support one another has opened my world up like i can totally relate with that of not realizing there's more options out there and even though I'm not going to choose what is what you refer to as a free birth which I didn't even know was a thing which is hilarious because that's how women have been giving birth for thousands and thousands of years I am deciding to still do quote-unquote a more traditional route of going to a birthing center because of my um feeling of safety with it since I live so far away from a hospital I live an hour and a half away from a hospital so if something did um, go wrong I would feel quite vulnerable so being in a birthing center gives my my peace of mind and will make my body more relaxed which will make my labor, labor go more smoothly but to even know that that's a thing, which of course it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and to have my uh, world opened up in that way and be inspired by these stories of of your personal story that you've shared with me. I'd love if you feel comfortable to share a little bit about it and um, just to realize that there are other ways. There are other ways of approaching the sacred point in the start of life, the start of um, your new life as a mother—it's like it's a rebirth for the mother as well as birthing in a being into this world. And your emphasis on caring for the mother has just been absolutely nurturing for me to even give myself that acknowledgement of what I am going through and what I will go through postpartum once I get to that point Um, so I can't I can't express to you the amount of gratitude that I have for you and what you are doing and your willingness to reach out to somebody that you literally um, were just acquaintances with to connect with on this deep, sacred level. You are a blessing to this world, and I thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up and doing your work.
0: Thank you, too. I've been so inspired by you, Um, and it was just intuitive that I reached out to you, because I felt like, actually, we're both at these kind of pivotal points in our life. Um, I'm going to be starting my business this year, too, after <clears throat> after seven years as a stay-at-home mom, a full-time mom. Um, and yeah, just navigating this terrain, doing things that are a little bit more alternative healing. Um, I just knew that it would be a symbiotic relationship for both of us. And um, it's in the spirit of of what I believe the world needs more of right now, which is women connecting to be able to support each other to create the communities that are no longer intact yes um so that so that we we can do the work that we need to do and so that we can have our cups be full as mothers um because we all know that you can't give from an empty cup and unfortunately there's so much pathologizing of the postpartum period and I feel like that really puts a lot of blame on the mother when it's really a societal thing. Um, there's nothing wrong with mothers. If mothers are feeling isolated and alone and depressed and without anyone to witness them, that doesn't represent a deficiency on the part of the mother. It's a deficiency of our culture right now. and so. I feel like it's really important for us to be reaching out and supporting one another. And I've been so inspired by your work because I feel like in order to be able to do what I want to do, I need to be able to use my voice and I need to be able to express my truth and say some things that people maybe haven't heard before. you know, things that maybe are a little bit even controversial for some people. Um, And I am really excited to be able to work through some of the blocks that I feel I have regarding my voice and my ability to speak my truth. So I am forever grateful to you for being open enough to share what it is you're doing and the beautiful gifts and talents that you're bringing into this world. and I think it's so related it is so related the way that we vocalize the way that we allow ourselves to be open to be seen to um to be received I feel like those are all really important aspects of being able to give birth and to create life um so I'm really really excited um to see how your birth unfolds and I imagine that you are going to have a very powerful birth. Um, I imagine that the sounds that you are going <laughs> to be making in your birth are just going to, you know, it's just going to open you up in this way that I think that the, there's a connection, actually, between the vocal cords and the cervix in our bodies um, and the way that they're connected through the vagus nerve i don't know i i feel like it's going to be really powerful for you thank and you. i can't wait to see how it unfolds
1: thank you love that's actually how i came to work with sound is i had an overactive vagus nerve and i noticed that when i started to learn how to sing that my vagus nerve symptoms, which I didn't even realize were related to my vagus nerve, I was having digestive issues and anxiety. So I didn't even realize that it was a vagal issue. Um, I actually was diagnosed with seizures. Um, But then it was after I started singing that my symptoms subsided and I had that aha moment. So thank you for validating that for me. I totally think that that is... uh, important connection that a lot of people are now discovering thank goodness Mm -hmm. of our our nervous system and how simple techniques such as using your voice can bring your nervous system back into a state of alignment we've known this for thousands of years but have somehow gotten off track with uh, becoming our own healers in this way and not to say that Western medicine doesn't have a place. It definitely does. However, I also think that there are many ancient practices and techniques and medicine, herbal as well, that we have lost touch with that we are now reconnecting with. And you touched upon earlier how this is such a timely connection with us both bringing into the world and stepping into our power, stepping into our offering to the world. And I feel like this is happening on a collective right now. I feel like a lot of people are feeling this call to transition into this new way of being and show up in a way that they've felt for a while. It's been there. But it's it's now coming to a head. There's something uh, that's that's now ready and is calling us to be to be there fully and show up fully and create this world that we can feel and know is possible and keep taking each step at a time now that being said it might not be happening as fast as we (laughs) would like and (laughs) we we've tended to speak on these days of significant astrological events this being one of them um where saturn um is in a little bit of tension and i i i I'm so grateful for you because you also are connected with this realm of planetary influence for all of us. And as I'm speaking right now, I'm also hearing my mother-in-law's dog barking in the background, trying not to be distracted, but also finding it so fitting that this is happening at this point in the conversation. Um, and how, Uranus. yeah, how, how you, there's certain <laughs> that things <unpredictable> energy. <laughs> that are out of our control and how sometimes something can look like a curse or something can look like an obstacle, but really it's a lesson, lesson in disguise. So, um, yeah. finding that gratitude and learning from the difficulty and learning from those painful moments in life. So if you would be willing um, and open, I would so, so appreciate if you shared with us some of those moments in your first uh, experience working with a midwife um, and then deciding from that experience uh, to, to choose a different route, to choose a different way to bring a being into this world.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I would love to share on that. Um, So when I became pregnant in 2013, I was 28 years old. And um, at that point in my life, I had already kind of started dabbling in kind of more alternative medicine. Um, Like I spent the whole first 20 years of my life being really deeply entrenched in this Western medicine, allopathic medical model, Um, and it's funny that you bring up seizures, actually, because I had seizures all throughout my life until I was 20 years old, Um, and I, I had really challenging experiences within the medical system, being misdiagnosed on two different occasions um being put on medication that was really damaging for me and then having to get myself off of it um so i when i was 20 years old i was um i was in contact with a chinese medicine doctor who was finally able to diagnose what was going on with me she just took one look at me and she just she just knew what it was and when I when I went through <clears throat> the things that she prescribed for me, I saw like immediate results, and it was something that I had never seen when I was within the medical system. So that really changed something for me. And then I spent the rest of my early twenties exploring a lot of different um, like alternative medicines. I was really interested in Ayurveda. Um, I was really into yoga for a while. I did a yoga teacher training. Um, became really interested in energy work, um, studied to become a Reiki master. Um, But when I became pregnant, I didn't really know much about pregnancy or about birth. So it was really new terrain, and I was kind of just navigating it as I went. But I was really clear on the fact that I wanted to have a midwife. So I chose a midwife for that birth, um, decided that we were going to have a home birth, and... I really trusted everything that she presented to me as being the truth. Um, I did all the testing that she recommended that I do I any intervention that she suggested I, I went along with um, because I just I didn't know otherwise and I just really trusted that this woman who had 30 years of experience delivering babies at home, I really trusted that that was going to be, the best thing for me Um, but I will say that especially towards the end of my pregnancy I started to have some really big red flags that maybe she wasn't the right person to be at my birth Um, but you know the way things go sometimes I didn't listen to that intuition and um, when it was time for me to give birth I was almost I was really quickly approaching 42 weeks and so a lot of midwives especially if they're licensed midwives have certain they have certain liability and a lot of times they won't let you go past 42 weeks so um she came into my home and i was really pretty close to like i felt like my labor was about to begin like my mucus plug was starting to come out and i was starting to feel some contractions but they weren't really very regular very close together Um, and then when we were doing a vaginal exam, she did a membrane sweep on me without my consent, which a membrane sweep is something that's kind of a more natural way of inducing labor where they just stick their finger into the cervix and kind of make a ring around the membrane, which then causes you to bleed and it causes your water to break and, you know, at the time, I I knew that it felt wrong, but I didn't really know. I didn't actually know until later that that was what she had done. So, I mean, that was the first thing. And then my labor did begin. But I feel like it wasn't, it wasn't the time that my baby was ready to be born. Um, Because what ended up happening was that um, my baby was in an asynclitic position, which is when they're their head down but their head is turned to the side so instead of the baby coming down through the crown of the head which is then putting equal force on the cervix and causing it to open um my cervix wasn't opening my contractions weren't following a regular contraction pattern they were all over the place some were really long some were really short um And yeah, so I ended up um, laboring at home for 50 hours. Um, It was really intense. Like, it was so much more intense than what I had thought it was going to be. Like, I had really bad back labor, and she was giving me some herbs to try to make things progress more, but also I didn't really know much about herbs at that time, and in retrospect, I know that what she was giving me was really pretty aggressive. Um... So there were moments in that in that journey where I kind of like shut her out and I would go within myself and I would do what I needed to do. And at that point I felt like my labor was progressing really well. And then sometimes she would come and interrupt and be like, "Okay, you can't stay in the birthing pool because it's going to slow down your labor." But I really wanted to be in the birthing pool because that's where I was most comfortable. You know, or there was a point where she was like, you need to be more active because, you know, we have to like work this baby out. So we're going to go outside in your backyard and you're going to climb these hills. <laughs> so I was like climbing these hills in my backyard. And every time a contraction would come, I would just like fall to my knees. And it, it was really, really a lot more aggressive than I thought it was going to be. Um, and then at one point, I just told her to leave me alone. <laughs> you know, I just I finally was like able to speak up for myself and I was like I'm going in the birth pool. Our birthing pool is set up in our backyard there happened to be this really intense summer storm that was happening so I was in the birthing pool and the rain was just coming down so hard and there was like lightning and I could see my midwife looking at me through the window (laughs) you know but I I felt so good in the pool and I felt so good in the rain and um, I think the most powerful point of that Whole process was at one point I like reached down and I felt my baby's head and it just it felt so soft and he had so much hair and I just like felt so much like validation that like wow like just listening to my body and listening to my intuition is is really helping you know like this this baby is gonna be born soon you know and so I really wish I would have stayed in the tub But at that point, I told my midwife that I could feel his head, and then she was like, you have to come out of the tub, it's getting too cold, and the baby can't be in the cold, so you have to come in now, and I wish I would have just stayed in that moment and listened. But what ended up happening was that um, I had three hours of a pushing stage, and because his head was turned, it was really, really hard for him to make it all the way through. Um, And then as he was getting really close, um, I could feel like this ring of fire, you know, that's like what a lot of people describe it as that sensation of like when the baby is about to start is crowning, you feel this like really intense ring of fire. And I had talked to my midwife before the birth many times about how, when the baby was crowning, I didn't want to push because I had heard that that increases the likelihood that you're going to tear. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, so I was really close. And then my midwife was, she was really coaching me a lot to like, push, push, push. Um, and she was saying like, you know, get, it's time for this baby to be born and get this baby out, you know, like, I mean, maybe she was trying to be encouraging, but, um, yeah, so I, I, gave it one really big push and I felt this like popping sensation in my yoni. And I was just like, oh, I just tore. And she was like, no, no, you didn't tear. I don't see anything. It's fine. When you have the next contraction, you need to push again. <laughs> so then the next contraction came and there was more coaching to push. Um, and I pushed again and I felt another Popping sensation, and um, well, my baby was born, but I did have two like bilateral tears that were really deep, and they were actually internal, so it wasn't something that you could see from the outside. But it was like the inside had torn in two places, and yeah, I was so disappointed that that had happened. Um, and then our son was born and my husband was the one to catch him so i was really happy about that but within seconds of my husband catching him she she picked the midwife picked the baby up and immediately started doing like mouth to mouth on him and i was really confused because i thought that he seemed fine it just i really like i had this like s- such a visceral intense feeling in my body of just like Wanting to hold my baby, you know, like I had like never wanted anything so bad in my life. I just like wanted to hold him, and she, she she was holding him, and eventually she did put him on my chest. But it was like just that really painful moment of like I don't know. I just sort of felt like she was like trying to hero the situation in this way, and I I really felt like it kind of robbed me of my power in that moment. So. Um, yeah, so I I I healed from that um I I didn't need stitches. I, I actually opted not to get stitches, which I think was really wise um and I did have a really challenging postpartum like it, it wasn't what I expected. it was a lot more, um, intense and we just moved across the country so we didn't have family around it was just my partner and I and he didn't have paternity leave so for hours you know for like 10 hours a day it was just me and the baby um and yeah I just felt really lonely and I felt like there was such a big thing that was missing you know like not having community witness me not being like held and nourished in the ways that I really needed to be
1: yeah, which is so um, common. That's, like, the classic experience for women, especially in the United States culture.
0: hmm So, yeah, so, you know, I, I always had such mixed feelings about that birth. Like, I felt very proud of myself that I was able to do it, and I really, really felt, like, really powerful, you know? I felt like a warrior. So I was really proud of myself, but in a lot of ways I felt like something wasn't right about the way that all that went down and I couldn't really explain it. And anyway, I think that when women do suffer from birth trauma, a lot of the times the narrative is really like, well, healthy baby is all that matters. And I just don't believe that that's true. You know, the mother and baby are a dyad. And if the mother isn't well and isn't feeling supported and nourished, then I think that that does affect the baby. So Yeah. So I always had like a really strange feeling about that birth. Like it taught me a lot. It really taught me about owning my power. It taught me about trusting my intuition because on so many occasions I just thought, wow, I just, I should have spoken up for myself or I should have advocated differently or I should have listened to that intuition that was telling me that she wasn't the right person to be, to be there attending me. But Um, yeah, the, the good thing about it is that I learned to be really discerning. I have learned to use my intuition. It's like a muscle. The more you use it, the more, the stronger it gets. And I feel like that's such a vital thing for mothers to have is a connection to their instincts and their intuition. Um, and yeah, and eventually I also kind of wanted to step out of the mentality of feeling like I was a victim and recognize the ways that I had, like, pedestalized my midwife, like, I really felt like she was the expert, and she was the authority, and I really had to, like, be a good girl, and listen, and do what she told me to do, and I just didn't know that I could say no, like, I didn't know that I could, like, decline certain interventions, I didn't know that yeah, that I could own the experience so
1: fully. And isn't that a metaphor for how a lot of women move th- through the world in general? Like, I feel...
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this influenced how you chose to give birth to your second child. And in between that, having having your um, uh, losing two, two pregnancies and really being the midwife for yourself as you were losing um, the two pregnancies in between. So with those experiences, as well as the experience of your first birth, uh, leading to the experience of your second child. um, And again, anything that you feel comfortable sharing with, I feel it will be beneficial to so many people that we don't even know, or will never see, or will never have conversations (laughs) with. But I feel like these stories help help not just ourselves by by being able to express it to one another and share our truth, but have medicine in sharing them with other people that we have no idea how it's going to help um, by by voicing uh, our own truth, our own experience, and and um, just again gratitude is overflowing in my being for you right (laughs) now to to share these these vulnerable points but also powerful points like you said this is our power owning our power and recognizing those difficult moments as learning experiences to then reclaim our power uh, Mm -hmm. when you get an opportunity to do so
0: yeah oh definitely I mean I I have mixed feelings about the birth of my son but i I really feel like I, I wouldn't change it, you know? Like I, I wouldn't change anything that happened actually because, um, because it's taught me so much and because actually the pain and the trauma, I've been able to alchemize into um, like a source of power. And so I'll share a little bit about um, what happened next. So, um, in 2016, when our son was 20 months old, we decided that we were going to try to move abroad. And so we sold our house and pretty much everything we owned and we put a camper on the back of our truck and we set off into the unknown looking for a different way of life and, For 15 months, we were traveling overland. Um, We traveled from Utah. Well, actually, we started in Michigan. We started in Michigan, and then we went to Utah, and then down the coast of California, through Mexico, and through Central America. And when I was in Costa Rica, we were camping um, on the Osa Peninsula, uh, on this beautiful beach outside of Corcovado National. Corcovado National Park. It's, like, one of the most remote places on Earth, I think. Um, And I was seven weeks pregnant, and one night, there was a full moon, and this storm started to hit us. We were camped right on the beach, um, and it was... It was an epic storm, really. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a storm like that in my life. It was, it almost felt like it was like hurricane status. (laughs) The rain started coming down, thunder, lightning, palm trees were tipping over. And as I was laying in bed, looking at the moon and looking at the rain on the window, I started to feel this like cramping sensation. Um, and it got intense really, really quick. Um, my partner was asleep and my son was asleep. We were all really, all nestled in bed together. Um, and I, I suddenly felt this feeling inside of my womb of something being like ripped apart. Like I, I think what it must've been was that the egg that was implanted on the uterine wall had suddenly like detached because I, I felt it so, so strongly. Um, and I just knew that I was losing the pregnancy. Like I, I never had any doubt, like I knew that that was what was happening. Um, and it was so intense, especially right in the middle of this storm that was happening. Like I really felt like what was happening inside of me and what was happening outside in our environment were like the same, you know, Um, just this raging storm was happening and, and I felt contractions coming over me that were actually really regular, which was different than my first birth because I never really got to experience the feeling of the contractions coming regularly. Um, but yeah, I, I knew that I was going to um, I knew that I was going to birth this this seven week baby. Um, and being that we were where we were, there was no other choice that I had. There was no way that we could have driven through the storm. There were no hospitals around. I don't know that that's necessarily the path that I would have taken anyway, but the fact that like, the only option that I had was to, like, just confront this and just to to surrender to it. Um, and, yeah, so I, I remember just crying and my partner waking up and holding me, and um, it was a really, like, intimate moment, actually. You know, I was really happy that he was with me through it, and I felt his love and his support, and then waking up the next day and like assessing the damage to the beach where there's just coconuts everywhere trees are lying down there's rivers coming where like no rivers were before and i just remember like sitting on the beach i just like dug a hole in the sand and i was just squatting over it as i was bleeding and um you know something about it even though there was a lot of grief there for me to process something about it was really powerful like i felt like there was like this way that i was connected to like the earth energy that was um that was it like aided in my releasing that pregnancy um So yeah, so that was that experience, and then a few months later, I was pregnant again. That was also in 2017, and at this point, we were back in the States, Um, and again, I started to have another early miscarriage. Also, it was like about six or seven weeks, Um, and yeah, I mean, at that point, I could have done any number of things. I called a midwife friend of mine just to talk on the phone with her. She suggested coming in for a scan just to see if there was a heartbeat, but I, I already knew that there, I knew that there wouldn't be because I just knew that what I was experiencing was a miscarriage. Um and yeah, I remember going into this ultrasound clinic and I got the ultrasound and they they could see the fetal pole, but there was no heartbeat. And I just remember, like, walking around, and as I was walking, I found this, like, one little white feather laying on the ground that had, like, dew drops on it. Like, it was really beautiful, and I just stopped and took a few moments to just acknowledge what was happening, and um, it it felt... It felt actually really reassuring to me to know that I had all the resources within myself to move on, to move through this and to move on from it. Like, I feel like the two pregnancy losses that I had taught me something about my power that I didn't know, you know, that I didn't, I didn't need to be rescued from the experience. You know, like it was mine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, and like, I,
0: I felt, I felt like ownership of it, you know, like, yeah. I wasn't going to go to the hospital and, you know, do this procedure where they like scrape things out or like, you know, I just, I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to do anything yeah. like that. I just Trusting your body. Yeah, exactly. So I just knew that like, I had already midwifed myself through two experiences like this, and I was able to, like, support and nurture myself in the ways that I needed. Um, And I saw a friend for some energy work, and, you know, I did things for myself to take care of myself. Um, I did call on some friends for their support. Um, But, yeah, and so then we – So then we continued with our plans, which at that point we were getting ready to move to Switzerland. And so um, I did a couple plant medicine ceremonies actually. I was called um, I was called to do peyote in a traditional medicine ceremony with some people that I knew. And when I was in that ceremony, like looking at the fire, I remember like asking for guidance you know, like spiritual guidance, asking for healing, like not so much why did this happen, but like, what can I do to like heal from this? And what can I do so that my body will be in whatever perfect alignment it needs to be in so that I can like bring forth life again. And I just remember like crying and praying in this ceremony. and I started to get the most intense cramping sensations you know it was like right in my womb it was really like birthing pains kind of um and I didn't know what to think about that exactly but that happened and then the day that we arrived in Switzerland a few weeks after that I was feeling really really off You know, like really emotional, nauseous, so tired. And every time I said I was feeling odd, people were like, well, you know, you just made an international move and you probably have jet lag and maybe the food's different and you must be so tired. And I remember, like, my friend telling me this. And, like, all of a sudden this, like, light bulb went off in my head where I was like, no, 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 no. I'm pregnant, <laughs> you know? And so it, it was, like, perfect timing that the day we arrived in Switzerland, we we found out that we were expecting our daughter. So, um, so yeah. And what happened next was that I found... I did a lot of research. I found lots of different options for midwives, birthing centers, home births. And like Switzerland has a reputation for having a really good medical system. The birth houses here supposedly are like retreat centers and you know, it's like fancy and it's so relaxing. It's like being at the spa and I, you know, like that appealed to me in certain ways. But as I was um, going through the system, you know I just kept having more of these like red flag moments where I was like this doesn't feel right or you know different different birthing centers had different um different policies you know one one birthing center that I actually really liked they didn't allow children there and I didn't want my son to be like um removed from the experience I really wanted him to be present at the birth but that was it was their policy that children couldn't be there and So then there was, like, all this stress about, like, well, who's going to look after our son? We're we're new expats. We don't really have a really good support system here. Birth is spontaneous. We don't know when when the baby's going to arrive. Right in the middle of, like, a holiday season, you know, in late July when everybody's on vacation. So... I was like more stressed out about that than I was about the actual birth, you know, just like, what are we going to do with our son? And it just didn't feel right to not have him with us, you know, because I really wanted him to be present and to be able to, like, witness this transformation within our little family unit. And then, um... Yeah, I saw a lot of different midwives. I saw some that spoke German. I saw some that spoke French. I wasn't really fluent in German or French at that point. So, And then, you know, they have all these different requirements. You have to have the ultrasounds. You have to... Um, you know, you have to do the group B strep test and the gestational diabetes thing. And like, none of it felt right. It didn't feel like something I wanted to actually do or track your weight. You know what? That's one thing about pregnancy that I hate. I do not like being weighed. (laughs) It just stresses me out. You know, so like every time I was getting on the scale, I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't feel like this is really necessary. I know that I'm I know that the baby's growing I know that I'm growing (laughs) you know like I just didn't want to be under that stress um so yeah so then at one point we went to go and see um a different midwife I was like 36 weeks pregnant at this point um this was in the German-speaking section of, of Switzerland, and we found this beautiful birth house that was in, like, the most idyllic alpine meadow. So beautiful. Um, but I was trying to be really clear with my birth plan. Like, I had everything written out, and I didn't really want to do, like, vaginal exams every 20 or 30 minutes. I didn't want continuous fetal monitoring with this band around my belly. Um, I really didn't want to do the vitamin K injection for my baby right after she was born. Um, And I remember the midwives were like, well, if you don't want to do this stuff, then you need to, like, write out a contract saying that you understand the consequences of if you don't do this and you know with the vitamin k your baby could have a brain bleed so you have to like write i understand that my baby can have a brain bleed but i'm declining it just felt like so full of fear you know i knew enough at that point about what i wanted and didn't want you know and with with the vitamin k it's I guess it's legitimate that um, you would need the vitamin K if your baby was born in a very violent way, but that like, wasn't what I was going for. Um, and actually just throughout my entire journey with, with prenatal care, it's, there's always so little emphasis on the spiritual aspects of it and so much emphasis on like the pathologizing of it. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I felt like it wasn't going to work. And then at one point, this German-speaking midwife was like, she said something about how, like, we need to do the control. Like, we, we need to do the control. <laughs> and I was like, what is the control? And they were like, that's just what we call the appointments. They're called controls. And I was like, but you can't control birth." You know like the idea just the idea that we can try to control something that is inherently so wild and unpredictable i don't know it just really it really made me feel really strange and i remember when we got into the car after that appointment. man i was 38 weeks pregnant at that point i just remember like crying to my husband I'm not going to give birth here. I don't want this to be the way that my baby is born. This this still doesn't feel right. And he was like, well, what do you want to do then? Because, like, we were running out of options. And I was like, but we have all the options, you know? Like, I really just want it to be on my terms, in my space, undisturbed, where I'm comfortable, with people who aren't going to be pressuring me to do things that I don't want to do. And so... Yeah, so we decided that we were going to be having a free birth. Um, And it's funny because that was on a solar eclipse. Solar eclipse happened. I had this huge breakdown, decided that I was going to fire everybody on the birthing team. (laughs) We drove to, like, it's called Hornbach here, but it basically is, like, the equivalent of, like, a Home Depot. We drove to Home Depot. We bought, like, really basic, primitive birthing supplies <laughs> and we just got ready to just do it at home and um, two weeks later it was the day of the lunar eclipse it was the day after my due date um, so I was 40 weeks and one day and I was just folding some laundry one night at about 9 o'clock at night and my water started to trickle out and yeah yeah I I was so excited. I was so happy. And so I put my husband to bed, put my son to bed because I just knew that I had like a lot of things that I wanted to do. And I just got this like sudden burst of energy. So I was like scrubbing the bathtub and I was making all these like labor drinks, you know, making like herbal infusions and electrolyte drinks and prepping all these snacks and little things that I wanted to have for postpartum. And then at about midnight, I decided to do this really funny, it's like a headstand, it's like a spinning babies technique where you like do this like headstand for a while. And that's like to encourage the baby to get into a better position. So yeah, I just felt called to do that. So I just did a headstand for a while and then... And then I decided to take one big puff of cannabis. <laughs> and the reason why was because it's it's a plant ally of mine. It's the thing that I'm really familiar with. I had done enough research to know that cannabis has been used for thousands of years for women during their birth. And that was something that I really wanted to do with my first birth. I really, there was points in my birth where I was so overwhelmed and I was in so much pain and I really just wanted to take One single puff of weed and my midwife wouldn't let me so this time I was like I'm doing it (laughs) and yeah I just I set this intention that like this this little bit of magic plant medicine is either going to put me to sleep and I'm gonna have my baby in the morning or it's gonna give me like a burst of energy So I I took it and then I laid down in bed and I just felt these contractions like washing over my body and they came over me so gradually and gently that I could like feel each one, you know, it was like starting at my feet and like working its way up my body and then going down and I just felt like I was like on the beach, you know, just like being kissed with waves and then they would go back into the ocean and yeah, it it was really, really cool. So things kept building and getting more and more intense and um, at some point, I think it was like about two o'clock in the morning, it was like starting to get to the point where it was like I have to get up, this is starting to get really painful, Um, not in a bad way, like not in a way that I was like suffering, but in a way that it was just getting more and more intense and so I opened up all the windows in the top floor of my apartment and it was a super moon, the moon was huge, and Mars was conjunct the moon, which, you know, I, I know a lot of people will try to interpret that planetary aspect as being like, oh, emotions are crazy and out of control, you know, with, like, Mars next to the moon, but to me, it's like, the moon symbolizes the mother, and Mars is, like, energy and action, you know, so, I would just like hang out my window and look at the moon and Mars. And we had this giant Sequoia tree in front of our house. That was like the trunk of this tree was like, you know, it was probably like 10 or 12 feet across the top of the tree was even taller than our apartment. And I remember just like praying to this tree to just be like, give me, give me your, your strength and your wisdom. And, um, yes, I was, like, moving around a lot. I was walking around my house. I would go in the shower for a while. Everything was getting so euphoric. The colors were, like, so bright. Everything just looked so intensely bright. Um, The feeling of the water on me was so intense. And my husband woke up around that time, and he started to play some music from an ayahuasca ceremony that we had sat in a few years earlier. Uh, He was burning sage around me. I had candles lit, you know. I, I had, like, before my labor began, when I was setting up my birth space, I had really set the intention that, like, my ancestors were going to be with me, guiding me, protecting me. And so, yeah, as I, like, lit these candles, I just, like, really called them in just from my heart, you know, like, I felt really supported And, um, yeah, and so I was just going back and forth from, from the shower to the window, walking around the house. And then at one point, I think I was in transition because I could feel my daughter's head coming down and, um and I I was like I I couldn't really control my body at that point you know like I was like flailing around like really in this way that I've like never let myself go before it felt so primal but I remember that my husband was like sitting on the couch you know he was like holding his head in his hands just like staring at me (laughs) and at one point I was like go away, and he was like, what, I was like, please, like, don't watch me right now, I just, I feel like you're, you know, you're, you're getting anxious, or you're, like, worried, you know, so I just, I made him go in the next room, and, um, and yeah, so we had, like, a big plastic tarp set down, we had, like, yoga mats underneath it, I had birth affirmations all over, um, like, posted all over, things that said like me and my baby are safe I trust my body every every wave brings me closer to meeting my baby and yeah I just stayed in the zone I stayed in the zone I was like every time I had a contraction I would just like go down onto my knees and just like my body was just like jerking really I mean really erratically and then um And then I knew she was coming and, um, I just got down on, on one knee. Um, I was bracing myself with this old rocking chair that belonged to my husband's grandmother. And I called him into the room. I just said like, Mark, (laughs) that's his name. His name's Mark. I was like, Mark. And so he came over and he did not expect our baby to be born at that moment. So he comes in front, he comes over and he's like, what's up? Do you need something? And I just was like, catch our baby. And I just got down on one knee and she just came out. Like I didn't even have to push. It was this fetal ejection response. My body just completely like propelled her out in like one push. Her whole body came out. And yeah, so I caught her with one hand. He caught her with the other hand you know, we looked at her, she let out a loud scream right away. She was so pink. Um, I think that those were like two things I was a little bit worried about. Like I was a little bit apprehensive. Like I was really preparing myself for like, if the baby comes out and the baby's blue, if you know, if if they're not breathing right away, am I going to have to, like, suction, suction the mouth or, you know, pat the baby? Like, I didn't really know how it was going to look, but she came out, and she was so pink, and the second she came out, she let out just one scream, just oh, it was so beautiful, and we were just laughing, we were laughing and smiling, because it was just, it was such a surprise to him that she was born so fast, but it It was a surprise to me, too, and as I stood up, I remember with just crystal clarity, like, the first thing I said was like, that was easy, (laughs) he he was like, wow, I, I can't believe that 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 just happened like that you know it was like I don't know just just being able to participate in and witness this, this miracle of life yeah that way and in, in such a powerful way like I don't know it just changed me
1: yeah. forever and to listen to your body of what it needed throughout each moment during the process not having to succumb to what somebody else is telling you to do really tapping into that intuition that I feel is in our DNA is in we we know we might not know mentally but we know with our bodies our bodies know how to do this oh yeah yeah um, tapping Absolutely. into that knowledge that is yeah oh god you you need to be a storyteller like i was right there <laughs> with you like witnessing you know when somebody's telling a really good story you can like see it in your mind's eye like wow um, wow thank yeah, you so thank you much listening. yeah that that seriously it's it's inspiring to hear that there's just different ways of bringing life into this world different ways of supporting one another different ways of voicing what we need and oftentimes feeling guilty for that and and how we we don't need to feel guilty to a voice what we need we don't need to feel ashamed we don't need to um we don't need a lot of the things that people tell us we need <laughs> and, yeah, it's so true. yeah and so true. you know not not to say that like Again, that Western medicine doesn't have its place But I feel at the same time Oftentimes trying to prevent um, mishaps Oftentimes can create them in a way yeah. So where is oh, yeah. the balance, you know And um, mm-hmm. I feel like we, we are in this time of rediscovering That there is another way With so many different things, not just birth yeah
0: um, wow yeah yeah it's true and it's it's like you said this this is in our DNA our bodies are wise there's so much intelligence in our bodies and we don't have to go back very many generations to find a female ancestor in our line that gave birth and power I think Um, even hospital birth has only been a thing for like the last hundred years. But before that, women were attending each other, you know, it was a really simple and natural thing, you know? Yeah. And, and like, I really felt that, you know, like our son, he was, he was four years old. He was about to turn four. Um, he woke up like an hour later and, um yeah we were just like all nestled in bed it just seemed like the simplest thing and when he woke up my husband told him like your little sister was born and he was just like just he couldn't believe it he was so excited he just came and jumped in bed with us and we had the placenta in a bowl he was like mega interested in the placenta you know (laughs) but it's just like the simplicity of it it was so simple that like in that moment we went from being a family of three to a family of four and it was like it was that easy it was so simple
1: yeah that is so beautiful Oh, love. Yeah, and coming back to filling our cups. And um, I just... I, I can't even believe that I wasn't even thinking about that I was so focused on okay at this week the nervous system is developing at this week it can be able to hear at this week I'm gonna start feeling the movements I wasn't giving any thought to how I can nurture myself which is gonna help you know bring the next phase in life where they're still super vulnerable um, and this wonderful gift that I received in the mail that I had no idea came from (laughs) yours truly. I I I seriously this book has changed my life. I've I've gotten to the point where I'm actually at the recipes. It's called The First Forty Days and I'm blanking on the woman who wrote the book, but I'll put it in the notes of the show for anybody that's interested. And Thank you for sending me this book. Thank you for sending it anonymously. I mean, you told me you were going to send me something, so I I did ask you otherwise. But I I didn't know. I didn't. I at first asked my mom if it was her that sent it to me, um, and I I seriously I I'm flabbergasted that I hadn't even given any thought to nurture myself. That I was so fixated on. Um, What is happening inside of me right now and not giving any preparation or thought to support myself in such a vulnerable time where I am going to need that support to be able to then support my child in what this book calls the fourth trimester is that the baby is still very, very vulnerable. Um, and and holding it in that it, treating it as if it's still inside of the womb and it is still um, not not stimulating as much, not stimulating yourself as much with physical exercise and really focusing on nutrition and keeping yourself warm and moist. because like you said, birth is like this opening, this like you are you are. Open like you have not been open <laughs> before, and I am. Woo, I I will not understand it till yeah. I'm at that point. Well,
0: physically, physically, but energetically yeah. too. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and then and... there's this this release, and then and and literal emptiness. Um, you don't have that that internal warmth of the fetus anymore, um, and so you have to fill your cup back up even more. Uh, to be Mm -hmm. able to show up and to be able to, to provide and have, have your body not deplete itself because it's giving all of those nutrients to your baby through the breast milk and how much energy it Mm -hmm. takes to create nourishing, Mm -hmm. nutritional breast milk. So thank you. Thank you for sending What a gift. What a gift. Yeah, with
0: pleasure. With pleasure. It's, it is a beautiful book. Um. And yeah, I think, I think that this is like the medicine of what our world really needs right now. Like, I really believe it all starts with mothers, Mm. you know, because if mothers are feeling nurtured and supported and held, then they can, they can transmit that feeling of security and love and, um, um. Yeah, just having all of the needs be met. Um, If we can transmit that to our babies, then I think that the world will be a really, really different place.
1: Yeah, amen to that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And that's why midwives say peace on earth begins with birth.
1: I I love that. that. I've never heard (laughs) that peace on earth begins with birth. I love that. Yeah. Oh, like I, I, I really
0: that. believe that. I really believe that, like, as mothers, it's like we're, we're almost like this metaphor for, like, the earth, yeah. you know? And th- the way that we treat the earth, the way that we treat the mother, you know, it's not just about, like, extracting resources and being able to just always give and give and give and give with nothing in return, you know? Like, I feel if we can support and enrich the lives of mothers, then it's going to be a different way that we even have a relationship with our planet, you yeah. know?
1: Yeah, I think, with that, each other. I think that that's what I want to name the title of this podcast. So as we come to a close, I would just like to... Put in here how people can reach out to you how do people contact you so that they can be as supported and nurtured as i am from you <laughs>
0: um well you can email me my email address is victoria cara moreno all in one word um at gmail.com um and, yeah, I'm, I'm in Europe, but I'm available to do consultations with people. Um, one thing that I would really like to be doing is, like, free, free birth consultations with women, um, especially um, on topics like how to overcome birth trauma, um, how to overcome fears that are coming up, how to resource yourself so that you can have the community support that you need um you can also find me through the innate traditions um the innate traditions webpage there's a practitioner directory that you'll be able to find me with my contact information
1: i would like to end With coming back to that vagus nerve connection with all of this and how our vagus nerve during times of stress, which no doubt um, birth experiences a time of stress and how, you know, stress isn't always necessarily a bad thing. It's just a part of our human experience. And how the vagus nerve is um, the main nerve that controls the parasympathetic nervous system, that rest and digest state. So, to be able to tap into that uh, nerve, nervous system, and have it be functioning properly during stress is so important and how it runs from your brainstem through your throat connects with all of your vital organs except for your spleen it regulates your heart rate it regulates your breathing it regulates your digestive system and then it wraps around your pelvis connecting to your sexual organs as well so that connection with moving through that channel of your throat and connecting with your um vocal cords can regulate your vagus nerve and bring it back into a state of alignment. So during points of stress, you can actually rebalance the vagus nerve by activating your vocal cords. And this is an ancient practice that people from many different cultures throughout the world have utilized is humming, just a simple humming technique. And so for those of us out there that might have a little bit of anxiety or might have a little bit of digestive issues or might have a little bit of difficulty sleeping, humming, 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 humming. It is so simple. It is so simple. And I'm just going to hum for you all. Just three hums. Um, Join if you would like and it is with the intention because i feel like it's really important whenever you're working with sound to have a connection uh, with the intention of why you are doing something and so begin by closing your eyes connecting with the space that you are sitting on feeling the contact with your feet on the ground feeling supported by those two places of contact with what you are sitting on and with your feet on the ground taking a big deep breath in and releasing it and taking another big deep breath in to hum twice more. Taking a moment in that silence, silence helps us integrate, helps us reconnect, helps us process. So intentionally listening to nothing. is so beneficial. Thank you all for listening to us share our stories today, share our knowledge with one another, our gift with one another, to come into each other's lives. Victoria, I cannot express my gratitude. Our connection, our friendship has filled my cup, and I'm so excited to learn more from you and to share more with you. Thank you. With
0: pleasure. And I'm so glad that you're filling my cup as well. Beautiful, symbiotic relationship that we're building.